hey, welcome everybody on this beautiful sunny day here in Buffalo. So glad you, you, you trudged through it to get here with us. Uh, if you're here, I believe you have an expectation. You all have an expectation, right? You came here for a reason, right? And that reason I, I pray and hope is to meet Jesus face to face. That's what I pray is that you have this encounter with God that something supernatural is about to happen. It's about to, to break out. Amen? I know I've been praying all week. I had a time with God yesterday in here. I was weeping and crying. I was, all, I was a mess. Just I, I had the system cranked, just worshiping, believing for this moment right now. Because this is the most important message you will hear in the whole gospel news of the Bible. It's about salvation. We will talk about salvation today. I want to teach you some things. Now, some of you are already are like this. Well, you know, I've been saved for 30 years. You still need to hear this message about salvation. Because if you've been saved for 30 years, for 10 years, for 5 years, for 2 weeks, then what are we doing then as believers to share that gospel message of salvation to the unbeliever? We'll get to that later. But I want to share this message with you because I believe there's breakthrough in it. It's a life-changing message. It's in the message that... Uh, that, that, that God shares with us and teaches us through the Word, that God freely offers the gift of salvation and the opportunity to know Him through a personal relationship to each one here, to each one listening and watching, to each one that we share the message of Jesus with. The gift of salvation is received through faith. You can't buy salvation. You can't earn salvation. You can't be the greatest person, the nicest person in the world and receive salvation. It's a gift given to you and I by the Father through our faith in what Jesus did on the cross. Amen? That's the message of salvation. Salvation is personal. It's a personal decision. But I want to take it beyond that because it's a personal decision that once we make the decision must become an, a, a, an out loud lifestyle that people see Jesus in me. We can't accept Jesus and hide. We can't accept Jesus and not talk about Jesus. We, we got a story to tell. Because when Jesus came in, he did something. He, he, he healed, he, he, he renewed, he revived. He broke the chains of bondage that have been whole. We, we gotta, it's a personal decision. It's a, it's a private moment. It's a, it's a moment between you and God. But then when we get up, we got to talk about Jesus. I love that last song we did. We speak Jesus. Parents, I'm looking at Pastor Rob with his wife and young child. Parents, speak Jesus over your kids. Husbands, speak Jesus over your wives. Wives, speak Jesus over your husbands. Speak Jesus over your neighbors. Speak Jesus wherever you go. Speak Jesus over the church. Speak Jesus over those that you come into contact. When you walk through the aisles of supermarkets, speak Jesus to those you pass. Speak Jesus into the world. Speak Jesus into what's happening. The gospel's about Jesus. Church is about Jesus. Worship is about Jesus. We sometimes make it about us. Church is about me. I'm the pastor. Church is not about me. <sighs> Worship is not about Christian and the rest of the team. It's about Jesus. This is a message of salvation. It's a message of hope. So let's get our Bibles open. Let's get our journals ready to scribble in, to print in, to, to, to write cursive. If, if you still write cursive, I had this conversation during the week. You, people, some kids don't know how to sign their name. Parents, if you've got children, teach them how to sign their name. Get ready, because here we go. Open your Bible to Romans chapter 1. Verse, six, verse 16. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Verse 16. This is Paul. He's writing to the Roman, to, to, he's writing and he wants to visit Rome and and he says this in verse 16. I love this. This is so powerful. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Can you say that? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. Awesome. It's easy to preach it here. Now, when you leave here today, you got some homework. You got to walk up to someone you don't know, and you got to say, I'm not ashamed of Jesus. He set me free. You got, if you're not ashamed, you're not ashamed outside either. Paul's like, I'm not ashamed. I'm willing to die for the gospel. He says, for it is the power of God for what? For salvation. For salvation. For who? For everyone. I love it. For everyone. And, and if you're everyone, what do you have to do? It says, you have to believe. 
Salvation is for anyone who believes in what Jesus did on the cross and who Jesus was by being sent by the Father. That's what is available for us today. To the Jew first, also to the Greek. For in it, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Father, <laughs> complete the plan that you have already put into motion this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Grab a seat real quick. Grab a seat real quick. I love it. John 3, 16. I, I think I share it every week, and I'm going to share it all the time because it's my favorite. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I'm talking about salvation. That in Jesus, believing in Jesus and the accomplished work of the cross, when we accept him and all, all of who he is, we have eternal life. And some of us in here have accepted Jesus. Some of us are still trying to figure out even if Jesus is real and, and if Jesus even existed. And, and some of us, uh, we've accepted Jesus. We've made a decision, but we haven't taken it past the decision stage. We're still there, but I want to move you today from decision to disciple. Amen? We're, we're going to go from decision to disciple. We're going to go uh, uh, from, from not knowing to knowing. We're going to go from knowing to stepping out and, and being a releaser of it. Amen? And so when I speak of salvation, I speak of the word that is, de that is defined that is defined as being delivered, being rescued, being safely brought through something, and being kept from harm. That's what the word salvation means. It means to be delivered from. What am I being delivered from? I'm being delivered from the condemnation and from the death and destruction, from eternal damnation, separation from God because I've rejected Jesus. But God says, I have a plan that you would not receive that damnation, that you would not receive hell, but you would receive eternity. You would be rescued from the consequence of your sin, consequence from the separation and the alienation from God himself, and that, that, that solution is Jesus. The salvation is found in my son Jesus. And I'm going to tell you right now, he is the only way. You all need to know that. We get a lot of teachings that say he's not the only way. No, he is the only way according to Scripture. And according to Scripture, the infallible truth of God, he's the only way. You cannot work your way to heaven. You cannot buy your way to heaven. You cannot be the nicest person in the world and go to heaven if you don't have a relationship with Jesus and accepted him as Lord and Savior. It's scriptural, it's fact. Salvation is the deliverance, the rescue, the ability to be safely brought through to keep from harm. I love it. Psalm 62 declares, My soul waits in silence on God alone. From him comes my salvation. Nowhere in the scripture do we see salvation come from any other place but Jesus himself. So I want to walk you through salvation. It's available for every person here. Salvation. I want to walk you through it. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay out this, the whole service real quick. I'm going to teach you this message today. Then I'm going to have a giant altar call. What does that mean, Pastor? I'm going to invite you. Or I'm going to ask you if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's a prayer. It starts with a prayer. And then after that prayer, we want to hook you up into a small group. We want to hook you up and get you a Bible if you don't have one. Because we want to get you on a journey to becoming a disciple. We don't want to be a decision. We want to be a disciple. And then for those who've already made that decision and you've kind of walked away, I'm going to ask you for a rededication today. I'm going to say, you know what? I've been there multitudes of times growing up in the church. You know, live like the devil Monday through Saturday. Come Sunday morning, I was repenting, accepting Jesus for the 95th time on a Sunday morning. Because, and then it, but, but all of a sudden, something clicked. And I said, I need to be a disciple, not a decision. And then for those of you who are all good, I'm going to pray for you, and you're going to agree in the name of Jesus that you walk out of here like one of the disciples, your mouth open, unashamed, proclaiming the life-giving news of the gospel. And that's going to happen at the end, but let me first give you the meat of what you need to, to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to marinate you with this morning. All right, ready? So salvation we're going to look at the way of salvation, two sides of salvation, and three stages of salvation. So write that down. We're going to look at one way, two sides, and three stages of salvation. And so let's examine these as we understand that salvation 
is for all who would believe in Jesus. So first we have the way of salvation. What does that mean? It means what Jesus said in the book of John, the 14th chapter, the 6th verse. Jesus said this. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said this. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. The way of salvation, the way of of connecting with the Father, the way of of, of eternal salvation, the way uh, uh, of what we're talking about this morning is the one way is Jesus. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one, good people, rich people, poor people, no one, educated, uneducated, no one, doesn't matter who you are, no one gets to the Father except through Jesus. He's the door. That's why we have that crazy picture that was taken, what, back in the 40s or 50s, where Jesus is standing at the door. You know, the one he looks so, like, solemn. And he got the little wood door with the cross peephole through it, and, and he's knocking. Because he's the only way. There's no one else. There's no one else. There's no, there's no other religion. It's, 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 it's Jesus. And so he says, I am this. In, in Acts chapter 14, verse 12, so salvation is found in no one else. This is Acts 14, 12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind, you and I, mankind, by which we must be saved. We can't be like, uh, 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 in the name of Tommy Smarge Jr., I accept, no, I'm nobody. It's in the name of Jesus that I have salvation. It's in the name of Jesus I have freedom. It's, 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 it's in the name of Jesus. He is the way. See, the gift of God of salvation is based off of his sacrificial death. Off of his sacrificial death and his miraculous resurrection. That's where salvation is. It's in Jesus who came from the throne room, who walked the earth, who died on the cross, and then was resurrected from the dead and now sits back in the throne room at the right hand of the Father. It's a gift given to you and I. All who would believe salvation is available for. His death alone paid the price for our offenses against God. It provided a way of the forgiveness of the offense, of the sin. He provided a way. He, he, he was the ransom. He was the one that bought us back. His resurrection showed and confirmed and secured his power over life and of death. That's what he did because he's the son of God. And so when we talk of salvation we, in Jesus and what he did on the cross, we must talk of redemption. Redemption has the meaning of being ransomed, of being bought back, of being redeemed by a payment. And so what it was was prior to Jesus, I was alienated. I was separated from God. Scripture. You know where it started? With the bite of the apple. Go all the way back to Genesis. In the garden there was harmony, right? I mean, think about it. God would come down and hang out in the garden with you. And he hung out with Adam and Eve. And it was just amazing. And then all of a sudden it got twisted and sideways and, and and the, 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 the apple was bit. And the minute the apple was bit, separation began to take place. And that was the problem. There was an alienation then from God and his people. The way he, he didn't want it that way. He wanted it the way it was. And so God made a way now that we could have that separation brought back. He redeemed us. He brought us back that we don't have to be aliens and strangers to God. We could be part of the family of God. We could be connected. He, he's our God. He's our Father. We're his son. We're his daughter. And so Jesus redeemed us. He, he brought us back by the payment of, his, of, of dying on the cross. See, he rescued us. He liberated us. He set us free from the consequence of that separation. See, how does it work? See, man has a sin condition. Man has a sin condition. That's the problem. Is this too much this morning? I just want to make sure we're on the same page. I'm trying to preach you some freedom here. I'm trying to teach you some freedom. I'm trying to get you to a whole new level with Jesus. So we've got to start somewhere. Remember, 2022 is about growth, spiritual growth, spiritual maturity, and spiritual stability. That's 2022, but we, this message 
is, is the beginning point. It's because it's the connection. It's the relationship. And the, 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 the problem, if we call it, we can call it a problem, but redemption works because man has a sin condition that alienates and separates us from a true connection with God. What happens is sometimes we become sin, uh, slaves to our sin. We become under the wrong influences. And all of a sudden, being a slave to sin and under the wrong influence, we are held captive. We are held in bondage. We are not set free. And then being held captive and in bondage, all of a sudden there's a control that's over us. And being over us, we can't, we can't get to where we got to go. We can't be who God wants us to be because that is controlling us and the Holy Spirit is not controlling us. And so that's the problem. That's why we need the redemptive work of the cross. And so knowing that we need the redemptive work of the cross, the payment for that ransom to free us is Jesus. That's it. We ca- I can't walk in and say, uh, how much will it cost? How much will it cost for my kids to, to have eternal life with you, Lord? Name the price. I'll write the check. God will be like, this is how God talks to me, okay? I don't know how he talks to you, but he would talk to me like, he's like, you're such a fool. What's wrong with you? You can't write a check. First of all, you ain't got enough money to write a check. And second of all, it has nothing to do. It's about them choosing to serve me. It's about them asking for forgiveness. It's about them entering into a relationship with me. And so Jesus is the payment. See, and the payment and the ransom is in that shedding of his blood. It's the exchange, him for us. His life and blood shed on the cross for ours to be brought back in. There's no forgiveness without the shedding of the blood. You know that, right? Because we can go back to the Old Testament. We can go back to the Day of Atonement where, where, where the one day y'all gather and all the sins will be forgiven. But prior to that, they would have us big sacrifice and blood would be shed and all this other stuff. Well, God's like, we don't need that. I got a better solution to that. The solution is Jesus. My son, I'm going to send him from the throne room to die. He will be the exchange. His blood will be the exchange as it's shed on the cross, as he dies on the cross. And those who accept the sacrifice and surrender and receive the gift of forgiveness begins to take those steps and eternal life is granted and the result of the redemption is by surrendering to his authority and to the purpose that he has for us we we begin to break the the control of the enemy is broken off of us we're set free guilt and the power of sin no longer has dominion and control unless we give it back come on somebody i need to say that i need to say that Because God can break something from me and remove it from me, and I can walk out of here and give it right back to the enemy. And sir, give it right back to him. God set me free, but I stepped back into my mess. I accepted my message. I brought it back. If the Lord has set you free, you are free indeed. Amen? Amen. Amen. But what we don't want to do is we don't want to walk back into that mess. We don't want to walk back into it. And so we're set free by the redemptive work of the cross. We must stay connected with the Lord so we won't return. That's step one. The three stages, or the three, three, things, three things regarding salvation. The way is Jesus, number two. Number two, salvation has two sides that are so important for us to understand. And the first side is spiritual salvation, and these two components are so important. The first one is the side of the grace of God being released into us and onto us and over us. And the second is the releasing of our faith into who Jesus is and what he did. So we have the grace of God, and we have the faith of who we are as believers in Jesus. Because here's what Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 declares. For it is by grace... It is by grace. It is by grace. And it's the grace of God that you've been saved. Ready? Through? Through faith. And it's not from yourselves, meaning the salvation, but it's a gift of God. So the scripture says that for 
It is by grace that you've been saved through faith, and it's not of yourself, but it's a gift of God given to you. I love that. So, so, so in salvation, we realize that it's the grace of God being poured out upon us. By my faith in him, I receive that, and I've been set free from the, from the, from the, the, from the consequences of my sin. The separation is no longer there, but I'm brought back into a connection with the Father in a whole new level. That's powerful. Because grace, the grace of God in our lives is his undeserved favor, his undeserved love, his undeserved kindness, his undeserved hope that is given to you and I. That's what grace is. Grace is the undeserved favor, love, and kindness, and help from God that's given to you and I. We don't deserve it, but God gives it to us. Think about that. I deserve something different than the grace of God, right? It'd be like this. It'd be like this. It'd be like... I've got to think of a good example here. I've got a million things going through this head right now. It'd be like this. Your teenager, or your young child, 12-year-old child, no, you're... I'm just going to say it. So, you're, you're, you, you, anyone have teenagers? Raise your hand up, in, up here. Anyone got teenagers? Lord, help them. Lord, help them. <laughs> anyone, anyone got kids in their 20s? Oh, Jesus, come really help them. So, your, your child who has their permit decides that they're going to take the car for a ride around the neighborhood when you're not home. And making that poor choice, because kids aren't bad, they make poor choices, right? Kids, kids aren't bad, they just make poor choices, and sometimes those poor choices make us think they're bad or look like they're bad, but they made a poor choice, a poor decision. That's why as parents and grandparents, we have to stand alongside them and help them and encourage them and correct them in a loving way. But what happens is they, they take out the new car and they take it for a ride, only to take out two mailboxes on their little journey around the block. And so when they get home, they're in pure panic. I mean, they're, 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 they're done. They're like sweating. They're like, oh, no, because they know dad's coming home. Now, dad comes home, and he rolls up in the driveway, and he's like, I, I thought my wife's truck had two mirrors. And that's not pinstriping, I see, on the side all the way down. So what happens is, they go in the house. As a parent, you go in the house, you're like, hey, who drove your mother's truck? What happened? And out comes your teenager, boy or girl, or maybe both. They're like, because they're that close, they're partners in crime. <laughs> partners in crime. Right? And then all of a sudden, you see them, and you're red. And you're angry, and you're about to blow a gasket. They deserve, <laughs> I, I, I'm being taped, I can't tell you what they deserve, <laughs> but you know what they deserve, right? <laughs> the old school, if, you, if, if you're Gen X, you've heard this, I love you more than you know, and this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. As you hear the belt hitting every strap of the loop coming off the jeans, thunk, 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 thunk. I heard a preacher say one time, I looked at my father or my mother when she said that, and she says, why don't you give me the belt so it hurts you more than it hurts me? <laughs> he goes, that didn't go over too well. <laughs> so they're expecting that. But when they walk in the room, you give them a hug. And you tell them it's going to be okay. And so what we're going to do is we're going to sit at the kitchen table. We're going to have a conversation of what's right and wrong. We're going to have a conversation of what could have happened and what didn't happen and what did happen. We're going to have a conversation of how this will never happen again. Now, you will lose some things. You will be grounded. You will, all the things you go through that. But you're doing it in a different way, right? See the difference? Because that's what God does. That's what God does. 
I use that example because I had that conversation at the table back in the day as a teenager. <laughs> Made a poor choice on my 16th birthday. Made a poor choice. I didn't drive the car because I was too afraid to do that. But made a poor choice. My dad loved me through it. We sat at the table. And he talked to me about it. And it made a difference. Sunk in. And that's what God does. We deserve something different. But he gives us grace because of the love that he has for us. And so grace is thrown, shown through Jesus. Thrown, shown to us through Jesus. Romans 3.24 says that we are being justified freely by grace through the, redemptive, the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That we are being justified. We are being made right. We are being connected by the grace of God it, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Our faith in him. See, grace justifies us before a holy God. Grace provides you and I access to communicate and have fellowship with God. Grace wins for us a new relationship of intimacy with God. Grace disciplines and trains us to live in a way that honors God. Grace grants immeasurable spiritual riches that help us to enjoy every day of life, but also helps us in our every need. Grace is the reason behind our deliverance. Grace preserves us and comforts us, encourages us. Grace will strengthen us. Grace is actively and continually working in our lives as believers, as sons and daughters of God. Grace. And with that grace, we must have our faith in Christ. Faith is simply that trust and belief in God based off of what has been revealed in the Word and what has been done on the cross. That's faith. I believe that Jesus died. I believe that in him I have eternal life. I believe in him I have freedom. I am set free. I believe Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. I believe without a shadow of a doubt. Without a shadow of a doubt. I believe that he existed. I believe that he's coming. I believe in all the scripture, all the promises. Stage one, or the first fact of salvation is the way. The way is Jesus. Two, with salvation, there's grace and faith. The grace of God and our faith and trust in him. And then we have the three stages of salvation. How you doing? You all doing okay? You doing good? Am I talking too fast for the note takers? If I am, just raise your hand. I'll, I'll repeat it again, okay? Say I'll, I'll repeat it again. If I can remember what I said, because sometimes the Holy Spirit's moving, I start saying things, and then I'm like, what did I... Did you, someone catch that? That's God. And so, but here we go. Ready? The three stages of salvation. Stage one. The acceptance stage. I love this stage. This is the decision stage. This is the very beginning of our journey. See, it's the stage where we choose to accept and to receive the forgiveness of God for the sins of our lives, and we begin to, at that point, yield ourselves to him. It's the very first step. It's the choosing, the accepting of the truth that Jesus died on the cross. It's the, it's the, it's the prayer. It's the salvation prayer. It's asking Jesus to be a part of who I am. It's the stage where I begin to pass from spiritual death to spiritual life. Amen? It, it, it's where I stand, and I'm like, Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross. Jesus, I believe you did it for me. Jesus, I am a sinner, and I ask you now to forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I ask that you come into my heart. I, I, I want you to be my Lord. And this is, the, this is the stage one. This is the acceptance stage, right? It's where we, where we, we ask him in. We ask him to come in. We ask him to be a part of our lives. 24-7, 365. I got to say that. We say, come be a part of it all the time, every day. It's the stage where we go from the power of sin having control and we're, we're allowing it to happen where we no longer allow it and we relinquish that control to the control of God. So we go from Satan's control to God's control. It's the, it's the very first step. It's the day that we enter into this relationship with God where, where, where we're rescued from the penalty of the sin, of the wrongdoing, of the 
eternal separation. It's not there anymore. Because we've accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Stage one. It's stage one. And it's important to realize that that's not the only stage. The acceptance stage. There's more to it. There's more to our faith. There's more to our walk as believers. There's more to our, to our, to our existence as Christians. There's more to it. There's more to it. There's more to just coming to church on Sunday or small group on Wednesday and, and not, not, not letting anyone else know about Jesus. There's more to it. There's more to it. And so we go to stage two. See, because stage one was the acceptance. Stage two now is the, is the, is the process which, which I entitled here the, the growth stage. It's the, it's the presence stage. It's the, it's the okay, I, I said the sinner's prayer, but now I'm in this stage. I, I'm on the journey of growth. It's, it's now having this relationship with God where I have set myself apart from, from, from the practices and from the patterns and the control of those things that are non-godly in my life. And, I, and I've surrendered them and I turned them over and I have now allowed the Holy Spirit to, uh, you know, I carry Underwood in it. Jesus, take the wheel. No, I, 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 that may sound funny, but that, this is the stage where we're at. That Jesus, you take the wheel of my life. Jesus, you become the pilot and, and let me sit next to you. Jesus, and you and the Holy Spirit, I surrender all. Because you know what? I've made the decision to allow you to come in, to serve you. It's, it's a decision that I wanted to have and I wanted to make, but now I don't want to be stuck in the decision stage. I need to grow in you. And so, so, so I, I, I separate myself. Last week I said we consecrate daily for a move of God that day and then also the next day, right? Y'all with me? So we're consecrating. We're setting ourselves apart. And all of a sudden, we're saying, Holy Spirit, begin to move through me. And we begin to receive all that he has for us to grow as disciples. Here starts the privilege of, of having a deeper person-to-person relationship with the Father. A relationship with God goes beyond a corporate gathering. It, it has to have some personal moments. And that's why I said last week, we have to, I encouraged you to give God your first. Give God your first part of the morning. The minute you wake up, after, if you need a coffee, make a coffee. If you need a tea, make a tea. If you, if you need a drink, a monster rock drink, rock star drink, drink that energy. But then once all that stuff, before you do anything else, give God some time in the morning. Give him your first. That's when you're the freshest. It's when your mind hasn't been cluttered with all the garbage of the world. You haven't heard what's going on at work. You haven't heard what, what's happening with, with, with gas prices. And you haven't, it hasn't frustrated you yet. And so you're sitting with God all alone. And all of a sudden what's happening is you're giving him your first and your best. It's there. It's so important. And so, 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 so it's here that, that this deeper relationship begins to grow. It's here that we submit to the Spirit's leading. It's here where we submit to what the manual says we're to do. We submit to the manual's instructions. We submit to the, where's all the men in the house? You, you'll understand this, men. When you get some instructions to build something, you've got to submit to the instructions. You really don't know all that you think you know, men. Come on now, y'all with me now, right? If you have kids, I know some of you have kids, and you've got to put toys together. If you have 32 screws left, you didn't read the directions. I'm telling you, you didn't read the directions. So you... <laughs> You, you got to follow the manual. And sometimes we're reading uh, step two and we think we know what step three and four is. And so we just jump to step five. And the problem is step three and four are so vital, not only for step five, but in vital for eight, nine, and ten as well. And so it's here where I'm accepting the journal. And some people are laughing because they know my stories. And you'd be like, oh, Lord, Pastor, you really did that. Who needs directions? That was my philosophy at one point. I got this. I'm a man. I have tools. I have a tool belt. I got this. Tommy the Builder. I got, Bob's got nothing on me. That's why I've already begun to ask people, if you are a contractor or know how to or truly can build stuff, see me after service. Our sound panels come tomorrow. So I have to put those up, and I can put them up. I can put them up, people, just so you know. But they may not be. I need some people that know the proper way to build and screw and hang and do those things needed. And that's what we're talking about with the Word. we got to follow it. It's here where we, in this stage where we're like, you know what? I remember. 
because I read about it after I accepted in the acceptance stage that God promised this thing called the Holy Spirit. Whoa, and he said it was so important for us because we, we needed it because he wouldn't be with us anymore. And in having him as part of my life, he, he strengthens me, he encourages me, he, he mediates on my, I need, I need the Holy Spirit. It's in this stage where we say, Holy Spirit, come and fill me and lead me and guide me. But, but let me say this. It's also the stage as we begin to separate from the ways of the world, from the, the corrupt beliefs that we've been so in, in, been ingrained in our heads, the wrong behaviors and maybe even crazy lifestyles. Once we begin to separate, there's a battle. You need, you need, I need to tell you about this. A battle comes. When you surrender to Jesus, a battle comes because the devil don't like it. Because you were doing nothing for the kingdom. You weren't telling people about Jesus before. You had this amazing encounter with the Lord. You, were, you, you, were, you weren't even scratching the surface, so the devil's like, he, he's a nobody. He's a nobody. But all of a sudden, Jesus came in and made you a somebody. That's a song, I think, right? He made you a somebody. And being a somebody, you're like, I, I'm not a decision, I'm a disciple. And the disciples that I know about in the Bible, they talked about Jesus. They, 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 did, they, did, the wor- they, they did the works of Jesus. He even said they'd even be greater. And so as you begin to now talk and do and become the disciple, the enemy doesn't like it. So now there's a a, a war, a raging war in the heavenlies. It's called spiritual warfare. And this is why in this stage, you have to understand the full armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. You got to read that. That's your homework. I'm not going to read it for you today. Read about the armor of God. You got to put it on. You got to put the helmet on, the shield, the breastplate, the shoes, the belt. You got to grab the sword because there's a battle. And the Lord is battling with you, not against you. He's given you the weapons of warfare to overcome the enemy. You got to use them. You also use the weapon of worship against the enemy, the weapon of prayer, the weapon of scripture. You look at the enemy, what you're battling, you're like, oh no, not today. <laughs> Fear you have no place. <laughs> because Jesus told me. That when I come to him, I find comfort in him. Fear you have no place. Anxiety you have no place. Devil, you want to keep me up all night so I'm tired every day? No. Devil, you have no place to keep me up. Because I know in Jesus I have the rest that I need. See, because he said that in him is rest. See, we got to use the scripture to defeat the enemy. We're trying to defeat the enemy on stuff that we think the scripture says. If you don't know it, read what the scripture says. You know what I mean? Just read it. Devil, Jesus said this. Get thee behind me. You have that authority. You have it. And it takes us to the third stage. Time flies when we have fun. Third stage, which is the future stage. This is all about the eternal party. Who, loves, who likes a good party? Who likes a good party, right? Let me tell you something. Heaven's going to be a party. It's going to be good. It's not going to be like the earth. If we, if, we, if we read and we hear about heaven, it's going to be awesome. It's a place where, you know, there, there's, uh, we've been freed, we've been resurrected, we've been transformed, we've been made completely whole, we are standing in the presence of our Lord and Savior Jesus. See, that's the future stage. Let's not rush to get there. Let's not rush to get there. I hear so many people, I just can't wait till the Lord takes me home. No! No! First of all, we don't want you to go home yet. And second of all, you have so much in you to give to someone else about Jesus. You, your light needs to shine bright. You don't need to be snuffed out. No. No. No more talk like that. Paul had that conversation. He was all, to, you know, to go to be with the Lord's one thing, but to stay home. Yeah, let's stay home until the Lord says, now's your time to come home. Let's not rush it. Enjoy every stage. Because there is the part of salvation at the end because of what we've done by receiving him and going through those, that process that we do receive. We will eat from the tree of life in the midst of the paradise of God as Revelations chapter 2 declares. And so there's the acceptance stage, there's the growth stage, and there's the future stage. So we've got to walk through them. But let me share this in closing. Let me share this. I want to walk you down a road. You know, Paul got saved on, uh, on the road to Damascus, right? 
an encounter with God. God. But I want to share with you, which a lot of churches talk about, which I think is amazing. It's called the Romans Road of Salvation. It's a scriptural walk of where we were to where to what God did to where we can go, okay? But here's the deal. We use it a lot of times in, in witnessing. And we should use this in witnessing. But, but let me share something first. If someone doesn't know the Scripture and know, has no idea about Scripture, when we start saying, there's no one righteous, they're not going to understand that. So what we want to do before we share the Romans road is share our story. What's your story? You got a story. You got a story. Each of you has a story about your encounter with God, about your relationship with God, how God has done something or how God is now still doing something in you. That has power. And then you connect your story to these scriptures. See, there's no one righteous, not even one. You know, that's, that's kind of heavy, but you know what? That's so true because back in the day, I used to blah, 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 but, but Jesus came in, and I don't blah, blah, blah anymore because he set me free of that because when he came in, he brought freedom. Okay, so that's, I say that, to, that as we walk through this, understand. So what's the Roman road to salvation? There's four parts. Uh, I'm going to use four parts today. Part one is the human problem. The human problem of salvation to salvation. The human problem is that the state of every human, the state of every human is sinful and the state of God is holy, and that's the problem. It's like oil and water. They don't mix. So sin doesn't mix with holiness. We need to, we, uh, you understand that, right? Now, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a super genius, but I know if I took water, I know water and oil does not mix for the simple fact that one time I was cooking chicken wings with my cousin in our new home that we just bought, a single-wide mobile home. I wasn't going to rent. I wanted a mobile home. bought a mobile home. My cousin and his wife were over, and we're making wings. It's like, man, this is my house, my house. My cousin's over, and my wife and his wife, they go off to the store, and we got the fry daddy frying on the stove. And I reach the freezer, I pull out the wings, put them in the basket, drop the basket in the oil. Mistake. Because they were frozen and wet, and water doesn't mix with oil, next thing you know, my fry daddy is now a volcano. And it is literally volcanoing everywhere, everywhere all over the house. Holiness and sin is just like that. They will not mix. They will not mix. And so the human problem is the state of sinfulness. Because the Bible even says no one's righteous, not even one. All of sin and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23 and, Ro- and Romans 3.10. So that's the problem. That's the problem. But because God is so awesome, he gives us hope. Humanity has hope, and that hope is in Jesus. We are given a hope in, in the love that God has for us that is expressed through his son Jesus because the scripture says this in Romans 5.8. God demonstrates his own love for us that in this, while we were still sinners, while we still had this human problem, Christ died for us to be the solution to the human problem. So the problem we know, God gives us hope, a solution which is found in Christ, that while we were still in this state, Christ died for us, and the shedding of the blood brings the forgiveness of sin. But knowing that there's hope from the problem, there must be a response. And this is part three. This is the response of you and I, and that's the surrender response. Because once we understand our need for a Savior, we must recognize that Savior is Jesus. And we can respond because Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Can you say that? Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be what? Saved. So if we declare Jesus is Lord, believe with our faith that's within our heart that God raised him from the dead after he died on the cross for us, I shall be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and you are saved. So we have the problem. We have hope. We have a response 
to the understanding of our hope is in Jesus to fix the problem, and then this is the result. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, since we have brought back, we made just and right and perfect before God, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. I love that. Everything I spoke about, faith, grace, uh, justification, redemption, all these things are there because it's the result of us believing in what Jesus did. And we don't have, there's no condemnation. We're not condemned. We're brought to life. And we must understand in Romans 6.23, the second part, the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus. Christian, you can come up. I know it's early. You can come up. That's the road. Salvation. Being rescued. Being set free. It's the first step of the journey of being a believer. This is the beginning. This is the beginning. This is the very beginning right here. And it's for everybody. That's what I love about God. He's so not like people who pick and choose who can have and who can't have, who decide on certain criteria if they're accepted or not accepted, if they're part of the club or not part of the club, if they're in the, in the family or not in the family. God's not like that. God looks down and says, my creation, my sons and daughters whom I love. And like I said earlier, if you have a parent, you know sometimes our kids can get sideways quick but you still love them. No matter how crazy they may get, you still love them. But you work with them and you give them opportunity to get back to where they need to be. That's what God does. He loves us. He looks down and he says, oh, I so want to be closer. I so want to be more a part of your life. And he sends Jesus to bring that connection to where it needs to be. But it's going to take our faith in him and take our faith in the work of the cross. Our faith in realizing the truth of the, uh, that he did die and that his blood was shed and that he did go to the grave and that he did you know, resurrect and he now sits in heaven with the Father. That's salvation, being rescued. Being rescued from what we deserve but getting what we don't deserve. Grace. So the big question, the, the million dollar question this morning, we can stand is simply this. Have you accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior? Have you asked Jesus to be a part of your life? Have you asked him to come in? Have you asked him to be Lord and Savior? Maybe you've never done that. This is your very first time. You are in the right place at the right time. It's a prayer. But following the prayer then it becomes the journey. It becomes a process of growing as a disciple in him. And we want to pray with you for that. And also in here, maybe you were like me. I think I got saved about 100 times before I became a disciple or started to become a disciple. What does that mean? It meant that on Sundays, I love Jesus. I love Jesus all the time. But on Sundays, I, I came to church. I, I clapped offbeat. I sang out of tune. But then Monday through Saturday, the clapping stopped and the singing about Jesus ceased. And I kind of forgot about him until Sunday morning again. And then Sunday morning, I, the Holy Spirit would be like, yo, what were you thinking? I would cry. I would run to the altar or I would repent at my chair, ask Jesus to come do something. By two, I'd be good that day. By Tuesday, it happened again. To the point where then I just was just not even following. So what I needed to do was one day I needed to make a decision about rededicating my entire life to Jesus. And saying, God, you know what? Today I give it all. All that I am for all that you are and have for me. So I made a decision to follow Jesus. And then I made a decision to make those changes that were necessary as the Holy Spirit began to show me and reveal to me what needed to stop and what needed to change. And that was a process. And now I'm at the point where I, I, 
I love Jesus more than anything. I serve him with everything that I am. So now my responsibility as a believer, I know I have the future secured in him, right? But now my, my responsibility is to tell other people about Jesus through my story and through the scriptures. So we, we all fit somewhere in here probably. We never made a decision, needed to make that final rededication. Oh, we're good to go with our walk, with our relationship, but now God, I'm asking you to release me. To release me. To help me be a vocal mouthpiece in the world. So I'm going to pray with you. I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. So I'm, I'm going to be bold. Because Jesus is bold. You know that, right? Jesus was bold. We paint Jesus as someone who's kind of soft. If he's kicking over tables at the temple and tearing the joint up, Jesus ain't soft. He's compassionate and tender in the sense of his kindness and goodness, but he's not soft. And so we have to be bold. He was bold. Let me ask you the question. Today, you want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. You never said the prayer. Slip your hand up. One, anyone else? Clap for him. This is a huge moment. Anyone else? Awesome. 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 All right. What about a rededication? Anyone want to rededicate? I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you all over the house. Yes, 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 yes. Rededication people, don't let shame tell you anything different. You, 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 you are all. Don't let, that, don't let that enemy try to creep in and be like, told you you weren't good enough. No, you're better than good enough. You're a creation of God. You're great. Now those who are all set to go, that's the rest of us. I'm not even going to have you raise your hand. I'm just going to pray for you. I'm not giving you the option this morning. I'm going to pray for you. God does something. So if you never prayed this prayer, you're going, to re, you're going to rededicate. Say these words with me this morning. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I accept you as Lord and Savior. I believe with my faith that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross, that you went to the grave, that you rose from the grave and that you sit at the right hand of the Father. I believe that my name is now in the, is in the family of God. Holy Spirit, fill me. Strengthen me. Give me all that is needed to now walk through the, through the stages of growth. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I thank you for those dedications and rededications, those choices today that have been made. And Lord, I pray for every believer in here who came in already knowing you on that personal level. God, that we come to that understanding that we have so much to do for the kingdom of God. That God, we are gifted and talented. That we have been wonderfully uh, created and made. That God, you have a call and purpose in our lives. That we're to be a light in a dark place. And so Father, I pray for every person in this house, God, that you would strengthen them that you would give them a Holy Ghost boldness, that, Father, you would consume them in such a dimension that, God, people would see a difference in them. God, give them the courage to tell their story. Give them the ability to, to articulate the Roman roads, to talk about Scripture, of, how, of, of what you did and how their lives could be changed. Father, let us all now continue to go from a decision to a disciple. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you. Yes. Hallelujah. God is good. Oh, yeah, there we go. I got some church folk all the time. God is good. Amen, amen. Don't let that word go from you this week. Don't let it go from you. Let it, let it marinate. Let it marinate. We have Easter coming. We have snow on the ground and Easter's around the corner. Amen? So here's here, a little different this year. We normally did Good Friday service here, but we're doing a community uh, Good Friday service with a bunch of other local churches. 
And so we all have a part in it. And so it's going to be Good Friday service will be at the Revive Wesleyan on McKinley. Two services, five and seven. Uh, all the churches involved have speaking parts. It's, we're going to answer the question of what made Friday so good, seeing that it was a day of death and you know the story. And then we're going to take you to encourage you then to get back for our Easter Sunday service back in our churches. And so, uh, and then the week before that is our Palm Sunday service. And so I want to encourage you to, to mark your calendars for those dates um, to be a part of those services. In the pews, at the end of the pews, there are these cards, right? These beautiful made celebrate Easter cards. These are invites. How many of you know a family member that doesn't know Jesus? How many of you have a very close friend that doesn't know Jesus? Okay. I want to encourage you to take this card and invite them. They say that Easter, Christmas, and Mother's Day in the church are the easiest days to have somebody come visit a church or come with you to church. Have them come and hear the Easter story. What I'm going to ask you not to do with these cards is leave them as a tip at the restaurant. No, I'm serious. I, I, because our church name's on here, and I don't want to have a bad reputation. Because we want to be, give, don't just leave this somewhere. Don't leave it in the bathroom urinals because it doesn't do anything. It may do something, but the, the, you, you hear what I'm saying, right? It's an invitation to say, I want you to come to this. And as a matter of fact, if you can't get here, I'll pick you up to bring you on Easter or on, good, uh, on Palm Sunday. So it's an invitation to physically hand someone you know that does not know Jesus a co-worker, a, a boss, or somebody to say, just come share Easter with us. And if you need a ride, I'll pick you up. I'll pick you up. And so I want to encourage you to take some of those there at the end of the pews. Uh, we have our lily sale going on, $11 of lily to decorate, and then you take that home on Easter Sunday. So let's take our offering, but today our offering is also Mission Sunday. And our mission this week is actually our mission to Uganda through the Giving Tree. Uganda is a, is a ministry that is committed to loving God by loving and serving children and families in Uganda and all around the world. They do some other things too. This Uganda mission, they care for the orphans. They care for the widows. They bring families that have been broken apart back together. They train leaders to work on the ground and work with these families. They, 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 they provide medicine. They provide Bibles. They actually help them how to deal with finances. They help them to, to do farming and to set their own businesses and stuff so they, become, so they can become self-sustainable, not looking for everybody else to be a part of helping them. So they, they're training them for victory. And we're a part of this mission. We're a part of ministering life to those people in Uganda through our prayers and through our giving. And so, you know, they, they, they're fighting uh, with you know, against poverty and disease. They're, they're teaching. They're, they do so much. And they're one of the missions that we totally, totally believe in. And we support them monthly. And we support them financially and we support them through prayer. We've had people from our church go and we're feet and hands on the ground working in the little villages and stuff. And, and so I wanted to make this aware to you today that you're praying for our Ugandan mission and that you keep them in your prayers and all those people who are working right now, even as we speak, in those areas. And so uh, we're going to take both offerings together at the same. Our offering is on the way out. You'll see it right there. I'll take our normal Sunday morning offering and our missions offering. And so, uh, Father, thank you so much. Thank you that, God, we understand the call to help those who are in need. Father, thank you for the giving tree and their love and their compassion and their commitment to serving you on foreign soil, for making a difference in the lives of those who are in great need, who are stricken with disease and poverty and, and the brokenness of the home that is beyond over their orphans just living on their own in the streets. And God, you're using them to bring reconciliation. You're using them to bring hope. You're using them to share the gospel and the life of Jesus. Father, bless that ministry. Give them strength. Give them all that is so needed to continue to, to push forward. Father, we pray, even for our own offering today, that you would bless it and you would multiply it. Father, we come and we give, and we give without reluctancy, but we come and we give knowing it's part of who we are as believers. We celebrate by giving of the first. 
So, Father, in Jesus' name, bless it. Bless it. Bless these, both of these offerings. In your holy name I pray. Amen and amen. Why don't we give the Lord a hand clap as we get ready to go. God bless you. Thank you guys for being with us today. Check out our website. There's so many good things going on. We'll see you in a small group or we'll see you uh, next Sunday. God bless.